This is a dumb book. You're a dumb book. Your face is a dumb book. Mom? Like, the rules aren't in effect, so I can say that? Yeah, you technically can, but I was hoping to trap you out. Like, I'm not a doctor, but I play one at your mom's house. Wow. This is a podcast, and we have scotch, but we're not going to talk about it. We're going to talk about books. I'm Michael. I'm your host for this pleasant evening. If you're listening to it in the evening, if you're not listening to the evening, pretend it's the evening because that's when we're recording. And this is Ethan, my guest. Hi. <laughs> we. I'm still about 20 seconds behind, so. <laughs> that's okay. Did you say listening to the evening? That's where I am. Listening to the evening. Everybody pause for just a second and listen to the evening and if it's not the evening where you are just keep in mind it's five o'clock somewhere so it's not weird for us to be drinking scotch right now right exactly so stop judging us mom yeah mom (laughs) we can say that because the rules haven't taken effect yet that's true speaking of we're drinking scotch and we are drinking ben romach 10 year spayside single malt scotch whiskey uh, we've been drinking this for two episodes so far. We're going to drink it now. It's a solid month episode. of time. Yes, we've been drinking it going on a month and a half. So, here we go. It's like a wee, wee smidgen more. That's a very good Scottish accent. You a did. wee smidgen more. Thank you. Yep, I worked on that real hard. Um, before we uh, clink our glasses, by which we initiate the rules taking effect, you should let the audience know what the rules are by calling your wife in here. That was the most tortured syntax you've ever... <laughs> it's not, but... Yeah. <laughs> Karen. Hey, Karen. Rule one. Once the scotch is poured and the glasses clink, the scotch must not be mentioned at any time. If anyone mentions it, they lose. Rule two. No one's mother should be mentioned in any pejorative sense or any other sense not directly indicated by the text of the book being discussed. If any mothers are mentioned, the mentioner loses. Rule three. Ethan must never say the phrase, first paragraph. If he does, he loses. Rule four. Michael must never say the words vampire, vampiric, or any derivative thereof. If he does, he loses. Rule five. If anyone has to use the bathroom during an episode, he or she loses. However, this should not stop anyone from doing so because this podcast is anti-UTI. Rule number six. The wives are entitled to one glass of scotch or some equivalent beverage. Rule number seven. If four scotch-centric episodes pass with no losses, then everyone loses. And what happens if someone breaks the rules? If one person breaks a rule, they receive a punishment in the form of a verbal stunt chosen by the person who did not break the rule. All that being said, everyone, drink responsibly. Yeah, Ethan. Yeah, Michael. Gentle Gentle listener. listener. (laughs) And with that, 
gentle listener to pull back the curtain a little bit. Uh, we are recording this in a hotel room. Yep. That neither of our wives are in. It's true. So draw from that what you will. Whoa. Uh, we did check into this hotel room without either of our wives present. That is true. So read into that what you will. So that's why we had to make the clank sound, is all I was trying to say. What did we have to clink? Well, we had to clink plastic hotel room glasses because someone forgot to bring glass glasses. (sighs) But, like, plastic glasses are fine, right? I mean, so far. Okay. I do keep thinking we're going to leak all over the settee here, but it hasn't happened yet. Leak what? I don't know. What am I talking about? That was a that was that was a weak attempt at my uh, trap there. I I know it was. Um. <clears throat> so, uh, don't worry. I'm not gonna lose because you trapped me. I'm gonna lose because of something stupid I did. <laughs> As per freaking usual. <laughs> um. So yes, gentle listener, we are now going to be discussing the book Oklahanali by R. A. Lafferty. Um. So if you let listened to the last pair of episodes. Uh, when we were discussing the Underground Railroad by Colson Whitehead, um, we did check our privilege on that one. Yes, and I feel like we need to do some of the same for this one as well. Well, however, uh, can, do we want to just like take the the one we did for Underground Railroad and just cut it and splice it? And I mean, it I'm not going to do the work. I'll tell the listener to do the work. Just exactly. go back and listen to the first episode on the Underground Railroad by Colson Whitehead. And a lot of the same stuff back. does apply. I do have a yep. particular thing I want to mention. Okay. Unless, unless no, there was any ahead. more you were going to. Yep. So um, the one thing I do want to mention is that this book is about the Native American experience yes. in uh, the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, like like to, to uh, be as unfacetious as possible, like the, the same... Uh, sort of discussion applies as we had two episodes ago with the Underground Railroad. Um, it, there, it is slightly more com- complicated because R.A. Lafferty is himself a white guy, right? Um, he addresses that himself in the preface. He does, and I want to. I do want to get to that. Okay. Um, my my particular brand of guilt, and it, it is actual <laughs> guilt that I'm feeling here, and not just like some lame attempt not to get dragged on the internet but um my my brand of guilt is due to the fact that i did take uh two classes in graduate school essentially on the topic of contemporary native american literature um and there is a lot of contemporary literature written by native americans Mm. and like a, a large part of me especially the part that enjoyed those classes greatly and and you know got a lot out of them and learned a lot um, would I would like to self berate for introducing a Native American book, a, a book about Native Americans, by a white guy instead of a contemporary Native American author, um, because uh, again, like like there's sort of a history of white people like writing Native American books and trying to sort of steal credit and 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 sort of get you know, street cred for being uh, Native American when they are not, in fact. Like, that's a real thing mm-hmm. that has happened. Um, so, uh, 
The only real sort of, like, apology I have uh, for that, other than telling you to read the book itself if you're thinking this also and get back to me, um, because I think it'll be a very different discussion if you actually read the book. Uh, but besides that, it's just the fact that, like, this is a podcast that we do for fun um, in the sense that, like, we don't get paid in right. any meaningful sense. Um, not that we don't love our Patreon donors, but, like... They are meaningful. They are meaningful <laughs> and valued, but, like, it's going to take a lot more of you guys for this to be, like, a business of any kind. Um, so that said, like, on a project that I'm doing for fun because I want to, if I take it and try to, like, force myself to, to do something in it that, that is not, like, what I'm really feeling, it's just for other sort of reasons, it just, it's like pulling teeth in my experience. (laughs) And so it just wouldn't be a good, good project for, or a good couple of episodes for me, you, Michael, or the, the gentle listener. Right. Um, and that may be a weak defense, but it is all I've got. The only other thing I want to say is if you are interested in this topic um, and you want to read more uh, about Native Americans and, and read more especially contemporary literature about Native Americans, um, I do have a bunch of names for you. Mm-hmm. Um, Susan Power's book, The Grass Dancer, is amazing. Um, Eric Gansworth wrote a book called Extra Indians. He's written several other books, but that's the one that I've read. Extra Indians is about a lot of things. Um, One of them being a Japanese woman who sees the Coen Brothers movie Fargo and tries to come and uh, find the money that is buried in North Dakota at the end of that movie, Mm -hmm. but also like Native Americans in Hollywood. So that's where the Extra Indians part of the the title comes from. Mm -hmm. Um. Uh, James Welch is another one, The Heart Song of Charging Elk, um, and there are s- several other books that he's written that are worthwhile. Uh, Louise Erdrich is probably one of the better known ones. She's very good. Um, so, again, in 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 lieu of uh, perhaps doing this properly and, and having a, an actual Native American author here, I would like to uh, just sort of put those names out mm-hmm. there as at least an acknowledgement of um, some excellent work that I would like, some of which I, I would like and do have, you know, intended to bring to this program sure. um, before. But as I said, this is this is the book that I was really feeling that that I just, and not, not just for the, the topic or the theme, but for a variety of reasons. And um, I read this book earlier this year. Um, and I couldn't stop thinking about it. I was going to reread it anyway, probably yet this year. So um, it just seemed like the the way I was being led to uh, uh, bring to this podcast. Mm-hmm. So that's that's my uh, that that's my apology for this one, as sure. well as again everything else we said about you know not. Not having a certain set of experiences, but but not feeling that that should stop us from doing our best to learn about them and and yeah. listen to them and reflect what exactly. we know. Listen is kind of the key with all of this. And that's, that's I, I think, honestly, R.A. Lafferty did that with this book. Like, he yes. listened and then regurgitated, essentially, what he heard. Yeah, <laughs> in... 
in the preface, I think it yeah. is, to this book, he talks about one of the earlier drafts. Yeah, in fact, it's the very the very last paragraph mm-hmm. of the preface. And maybe I'm stepping on you here. No, 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 no. Where you were going, but, um, he says, Oklahoma was first written in 1963. It was a torturous undertaking, even though it wasn't much more than an overflowing of crammed notebooks. Mm-hmm. And he says, I wasn't a very good novel writer at that time. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, no doubt that's true. And he goes on to say he's he's completely rewritten it a couple times. And as a novel, it's surely, you know, much better for uh, those rewrites. But sure. um, I th- especially based on what he says earlier in the preface about, um, uh, you know, tra- doing doing almost torturous amounts of research for this. Um, I think that does give some insight into his process here where he, yeah. he really just, this novel, and it, it even in, in its current form, it feels this way that it just grew out of him finally learning so much that it had to overflow into uh, a written form of, of yeah. its own. Um, and if you're going to, you know, try to, try to write about a, a culture and experience that's completely foreign to yours. I can't think of a lot of very many better ways to do it. Definitely. And, um, he did, he did do his research. Um, it's one, one of the most interesting features of this novel and it is a novel. Like, yes, the, these are historical personages and events that occur throughout this, but, it's novelized it's it's turned into a tall tale as as we discussed with um the underground railroad too with the folktale aspect to things um it's not quite alternative history we're not talking about genre but uh it's (laughs) well in this one really you couldn't okay we could have a whole discussion about genre but it there's no implication of this one being an alternate history no um like that's that that wouldn't even be a debate that you'd have i I don't think no not at all um, but it, it's it's a novel, but it's a researched novel. Yeah. To fit into, wait, I'm not going to talk about that. Um, <laughs> that so that so that it, it it is within the historical milieu. Um, it's yeah, it's it's certainly a novel, even though it could almost be deceptive in places where he sure. he's clearly just sort of regurgitating lists and 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 mm-hmm. summarizing sort of broad sweeps of his historical events. Um, right that could straight up be out of like not necessarily a scholarly history book but certainly out of like a popular sure. history book written by a historian mm-hmm. well and there there's even a, a place near the end where he says something like you can skip this next part it's just a list yeah um, <laughs> uh yeah there on uh Page 192, skip the following if you want. It is but a partial listing of the tribes uprooted again and loaded in on newly stolen land, the names of nations going to their extinction and absorption. Did we did we uh, give the listener a chance to read that? No, we didn't. So we should do that. Now that you know that there are Native American tribes that are going to be uprooted from their homelands, um, we've spoiled that for you. Uh, go ahead and <laughs> read this book. Uh, And we'll come back to it, and we'll talk about it some more. So, go! And you're done. Yeah. Do you need a Kleenex? Yes. We understand if you need a Kleenex. It's all right. Here, you want to punch this pillow? Yeah. 
Punch it. it. Punch it hard. Punch it good. Yep. That way. Good job. We're proud of you. Yes. Yeah. So, okay. It's well-researched, uh, as, as we've been discussing. There's one point um, that I wanted uh, to, to bring up that I especially noticed on page 135, right up at the top. Um, he says, the preacher man who gave the invocation, and this is a, a, a meeting that's that's happening um, at uh, Oklahoma Valley's... No, it's, it's, it's a United Nations um, meeting, I think. <laughs> yes. Um, of the, the Native American Na- uh, United Nations Assembly. Uh, the preacher man gave the invocation, had spoken out of the Psalms, and then it quotes, My heart hath uttered a good word. I speak my words to the king. My tongue is the pen of the scrivener that writeth swiftly. So, okay, you hear those words. What translation do you think? I assume King James. You would be wrong. I, I assumed I was wrong based on how you phrased the question. Yep. Um, I wasn't going to, like, interrupt the timeline here. So that actually comes, and I'm not going to go into how the Psalms were numbered. In most English Bibles nowadays, you would find that as Psalm 45, verse 1. But in uh, this particular edition, it is Psalm 44, verse 2. In the DRA translation, um, which is uh, an American translation from uh, the late 1800s uh, that was specifically translated directly from the Latin Vulgate into English. Uh, so it is very specifically a Catholic translation of the Bible into English. What I'm saying here oh, okay. is R.A. Lafferty did his research. Yes. <laughs> wow. Wow. I mean, I knew he did his research, but like, wow. Yes. Just the depth of this research. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and it shows in other ways, too, just that it, it the, the narrative flows so simply, so easily. That it is quite apparent, quite clear that the narrator knows what he's talking about, even when the narrator says he doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> um, even when he says he doesn't know what he's talking about, he says it with authority. With authority, yes. It's yeah. It, so it's it's a well well researched novel, and that just adds to how much you can get out of it. Yeah. Um, it's dense. It's dense is maybe the, the conclusion I want to draw from all of that. Yeah, it's it's a, it's fascinating. It's a 220-page um, novel um, that I have read twice. <laughs> and just flipping back through it as we were sort of preparing to record, like I was seeing stuff that I was like, oh, I didn't think about how significant <laughs> that is before. Oh. And like I say, I read it twice in, in the space of a year, which mm. is rarer than I do with any novel. In fact, reading any no- any given novel twice is mm. pretty rare for me, let alone in that short of a span of time. And again, I'm still I I'm quite certain I would I could read it a third time and still pick up on new things mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. I started again tomorrow. Sure. Sure. Well, and it's 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 something, you know, it's called a novel. It doesn't necessarily explicitly display the sort of novel character arc that you would expect no um which which is is a little deceptive in that you know when you read it it does read like just a catalog of history um in in some ways but then i i suspect if i were to read it again i would pick up on more of the character development and things 
and the the through line of the whole story. Like I didn't necessarily yeah. know where the story was totally going. I I kind of figured some of the things just because it's rooted in history, but right. um, I didn't necessarily understand where it was driving. I would say since I guess we're discussing genre. Oh man, we're discussing um, genre, aren't we? Yeah, we are. Uh, I would say the term that comes most readily to my mind is like biographical novel. Sure. That it's, it's not necessarily, not necessarily meaning to, uh, sort of have, have that, that like classical structure so much as it's meaning to have a biographical structure in, Mm -hmm. in the idea that it's, it's sort of uneven in the sense that like 50 pages may be about may cover a week and then the following 10 pages may cover 10 years sure um in the same sense that with a biography you know one incident may be extremely interesting in a given person's life um Mm -hmm. and warrant a lot of study whereas a whole 10 years might go past without anything all that unsummarizable um happening Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so uh that's that's one structural through line that i saw the other one is the idea that that oklahanali embodies the experience of the choctaw yes um the idea that that it's it's a um there's a sort of very death level feudal idea oh sure um that the the king of a nation that his like person and and well-being um, is reflective of the health of the nation as a mm-hmm. whole. Um, the idea, you know, so when kings were sick in the Middle Ages, like people thought the the kingdom was in some sort of peril, and mm-hmm. also vice versa. If the kingdom was in peril, often the historical accounts from the time will say that the king was sick. Right. Um. And and I, it, I think it it warrants us to be very careful. Uh, not to imply that Oklahanali was a king because he's considered not even a chief of the Choctaw. Um, And the the, the term that gets used in the novel is, of course, Mingo, Uh um, which has a wonderful line that's something about, it's not a title you were given so much as something that grows on a person. Uh Um, But the point being that... uh, it's it's not a it's not a one for one equivalence, but that Oklahanali's experience, and I think Laverty even says this almost almost explicitly that his experience sort of embodies the uh, uh, experience of the Choctaws in the in the course of the nineteenth century. Mm-hmm. And of course, he's born potentially right at the beginning of the nineteenth century, like the year eighteen hundred is one possibility for his death. And I think he dies. In the year 1900, if I remember yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Um, disappointed that he didn't technically make it to the 20th century. Yes. It's a... I think one of his granddaughters or something says, no, the, you know, the new century begins in 1901, not 1900. Yeah. He's like, ah, I'll have to stretch it then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. Um, so, in, in that sense, it'd be tempting to analyze Oklahanali not as the sort of hero's journey hero that yeah. you know that that has um a, most novels with like a classical structure is to sort of have that mapped onto them um so much as like 
Oh, there's a term for it, and I can't remember what it is. Hmm. Uh, it's, the term is something like static hero. Okay. Um, which is fairly rare, but not unknown, where a hero himself does not change. Sort of the, the world changes okay. around him or her. Um, the, the classic example that we always talked about in my screenplay class was uh, Marty McFly in Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he doesn't really have a character arc, but he changes, at least in the first movie, he changes the people around him. Um, catalyst hero, that's the term. Ah, um, okay. And, and that word catalyst is very important because it's, it's, you know, literally like they're the, they're the medium by which other people change. And that's, right. that's where they're a hero rather than the hero's journey going out and, and slaying the monster or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Another one like that is Ferris Bueller from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Mm-hmm. Um, I would argue that Moana in Moana is one of these. She, she Her character mm. remains sort of the same throughout that movie, but uh, people around her tend to change. Sure. Um, anyway, you could you could view Oklahanali as maybe a catalyst hero in the sense that he is very firm in his convictions from beginning to end like he you might i don't know i'm not i'm not sure i want to argue this like you might be able to argue that he has an arc or a set of arcs Um, but you could also argue that there's a very strong element where he doesn't change so much as as the world changes around him and, and sort of moves through him right yeah i don't know how much how, where I would fall on that, because I, there's maybe some of each. That, yeah. Is there, is there a specific arc that you like? Comes to mind with him? Not necessarily. Like uh, there, there's there's a line that's coming to mind that's not necessarily his arc, but. Um, the, the the only thing I can think of as far as like arc for him is his confrontation with um white man Philea. Uh, but even that isn't necessarily an arc because he doesn't do a lot within that except just be scared of him. Um But Well he has that he has that confrontation with him Yeah uh towards the end. Yeah. But that's, and that's like really... he does slay the dragon in that instance, but even there he doesn't come out different. Not only that, but it's it's almost the opposite of a of a classic like slaying the dragon story, isn't it? Because sure. um, you know this this guy he taunts Hanali and he he you know tortures and and eventually murders um, one of his daughters. Yeah, but Hanali doesn't. Drop the way a hero's journey story would go is Hanali would drop everything mm-hmm. and like set out. Excuse me, in pursuit of this, of this, uh, this dragon, this metaphorical dragon, yep. and he would, you know, overcome a bunch of obstacles and he'd meet some key holders or archetypes yeah. or I don't know. It's been a it's been a long time since I read a. a Hero with a Thousand Faces? It wasn't even Hero with a Thousand Faces. It was whatever one was, like, derived from that, but was sort of specific to novelists. Sure. I don't know. Anyway, he'd do all that stuff, and, like, 
then he'd slay this guy and then he'd come back home and that would be that would be the end like he something he got out of slaying the guy would make him uh you know a better person or teach him something mm-hmm. he'd return with with the the crystal or whatever that freaking term is um i'm just uh, i'm just yeah. really bored with uh joseph campbell story structure analyses in case that was unclear from everything is that about how you my feel town. About that? yeah yeah it is mm. it's not a bad thing to study if you're a beginner like if you don't know anything about it but the more you know about it the less interesting it gets i think yeah anyway so yeah i mean but as far as that goes, yeah, I guess I, I don't know of any specific arc that he goes through. Well, so the point that occurs to me as I'm saying this yeah. is um, that he, so the the danger in, in what we're saying here is we could make Hanali sound like he doesn't do anything or doesn't care or despair. Oh, sure. um, and he, that's, that's not the case at all. The first no. time that, that this guy shows up um, and... It's vague what he does to the daughter, but right. it's not good. Mm. Um, and Hanali does go after him mm-hmm. um, and is, essentially gets to a point where he thought he had tracked him down and he wasted a bunch of time, um, you know, kind of trying to get White Man Falea. Uh, and then he realizes at a certain point that while well, he's been, he traces him to this army encampment and thinks he's going to sort of roused him out from there and he realizes that the time he spent there white man Falea got away somehow mm-hmm. um and that's where the hero's journey part ends like hanali turns around and goes back home and the narrative takes up other stuff yeah um so it's not that it's not that well and the next time that we even hear of white man Falea, it's just that he kept doing the same thing he or like he was doing this in the meantime as an antecedent to what we're talking about right now. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, it's like it's a very different essentially what it is is it's a very different set of concerns from the sort of story where someone would drop their whole lives and go yeah. out in pursuit of the single-minded goal. And um again, this is where I'm tempted to say some stuff that I don't necessarily feel like i have the authority or experience to Mm -hmm. say i don't know if that speaks to choctaw character in reality but it certainly speaks to hanali's character in this novel Mm -hmm. um because he's not the sort of person who just lets one thing sort of consume his life he's um the sort of person who is trying to do a lot of stuff and um, has to essentially uh, fight the battles that he can without abandoning, you know, the other battles. Yeah. Um, and I think... Go ahead. Yeah, well, it's kind of feeding into the historical personage again um, of, of Oklahanali that, you know, he sets up this, this house and he's, he's running a house and he does very literally get fixed in place here. Right. And so as he's fighting these various battles, he's he's stuck in this place. And to a certain extent, when it comes to the, the, the legend of Oklahanali and like, you know, his sons are off to war and it's describing them as um, 
you know, the, the people who know, who knew, um, I, I keep calling him Okla Hanali, but his name is Hanali Inamani. Yes. Um, it's very different. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the, the people who know Hanali, um, will, would say like, oh, that's Hanali about his sons. And like, it, it's always said with an air of, of reverence and gravitas and like, he's got this legend around him already in these things. But like, a lot of that is telling in the novel there's there's some of it that's that's shown um sure but a lot of it is just telling that yeah he was great and these men loved him for it and, or revered him or respected him and so we don't necessarily see all the battles that he fights i guess is kind of the point i'm saying right with that which you know i think is partly to do with some like the type of novel it is it's just a type of novel that page count wise is not very long even if as we said it's extremely dense um but i think part of it is it has to do with um how you how you have to if you're telling a biography as Mm -hmm. a story whether it's novelized or even in a literal biography you have to sort of pick what things to point up and what things to to summarize um and a lot of a lot of the technique stuff i think you're talking about might not be telling so much as summarizing um because a lot of it is like it'll it'll be sentences like oh they respected hanali's son so much that blah 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 they wouldn't they wouldn't fight with them yeah stuff like that um which is still arguably showing of a type yeah it's just not showing it within a a scene yeah Okay, I yeah I, I I'm I'm with you on that, um, and I don't know. Hanali is just an interesting figure, a hilarious figure. Yeah, but interesting. I I I don't know. It, he when when he dies at the end. Um, spoilers. Um, <laughs> it, it's you know he's like the last. Of them is what it says. Yeah, he he was really the last of them. Speaking of the the Indians, um, or the Native Americans, that he was the last of them, uh, as as they are, or as they were. Yes. Um, and that he's he's built up to be someone who is larger than life. That's that's his character. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think the back says something about him being a Native American Paul Bunyan. Yes. Um, and it, it does feel like that way. And it is con- communicated that way. That he sure. performs miracles, more or less. Right. Um, being able to hide entire fields of corn from raiders. Right. <laughs> um, but, but then, like, some of the, the miraculous feats he does are just him being ridiculous and funny. Right. With, um, what's his name? The guy who, Pike? Robert Pike? Is that yes. his name? Yes. Who, who lives in their house. Um, he was a, a Union soldier, and uh, one of his wives or children finds him and brings him home to, to nurse him. And so then some Confederate soldiers come looking for him, and they're like, we know he's here. And he's like, oh, well, I haven't seen him. <laughs> and the, that essentially is, is just he hasn't seen him because he has chosen not to see him. Yes. <laughs> He's pretending to be blind in front of him. Um, or to have been blinded in, in his presence. Anyway, it's... So, like, 
yes, it's a tall tale sort of thing, but it's also something that could be real. Yeah. That it's it's the sort of tall tale that's that's done with with humor and I don't know. Well, that's that's pointing up the humor of it. I think is is really key um, because yeah. like I this is this is one book that I have uh, uh, both times that I've read it. Um, I have ended up reading multiple passages aloud to my poor, long-suffering wife. <laughs> Um, and even more so summarizing passages that, sure. um, you know, that I felt too guilty about taking up enough of her time to read them, but not guilty enough to not take up about three quarters as much time mm. sort of summarizing them angrily to her. And it quite often was angrily because, um, you know, I, it's just some of the, some of the passages about, um, Andrew Jackson and... Oh the 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 things that were done to um the the choctaws and other other native tribes under his administration just essentially outright um theft um outright literally passing laws that uh made choctaws and and other native americans made them less than human made them you know they're they're uh yeah they were if a white man brought a suit against a, a native um, the native was allowed to show up to court, but not have his testimony believed over the word of the white man, mm-hmm. um, which is essentially, you know, you talk about about rule of law and, uh, you know, right to to trial by a jury of your peers. That's essentially the rights that, you know, the American government has traditionally given to those they consider human, mm-hmm. um, which essentially means that, you know, by by a pretty easy extrapolation they did not consider the natives to be human yep um and you know this this stuff like this and um just the trail of tears and one of the just most heartbreaking understatements i think i've ever read where there it's some line to the effect that uh uh perhaps the choctaws suffered least on the trail of tears because they only lost what was it like 10% 10% of their population. Something like that. Something like that. Which, like, you know, my wife and I live in a town of of uh, 10,000 people. And if 1,000 people died in a three-month span, like, yep. you would notice. Right. And then that's let alone, you know, later um, in in the, the passages about the Civil War when this the civilization that these these uh, Indians have managed to build up right. um, gets completely destroyed just for the sake of pure tactics on both the part of the north and the south right um the the fact that that both the north and the south could accomplish their goals um could harry each other and all that all that was a uh you know all 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 that all that mattered was some indians would die like you know it, it, it was mostly mostly natives that they were using to accomplish these goals to sort of burn each other's houses and and towns to the ground yeah so like you know that it it wasn't even a trade off that the the people in command in again both the north and the south that they even blinked at that they no. even cared about um and again some of those statistics from that era the 1861 census of the choctaws mm. had 18,000 choctaws in the what was called the indian territory yeah um and the 1865 census had like 12,500 Again, if a third of the people 
where any of us lived died in four years like yeah. we would it would notice. be <laughs> yeah it, it would be heartbreaking and you know that's it's it's one of those things where it's like it, pure numbers are one thing but think about the people who remain alive like again if one out of every three people in a in a very tight-knit community dies like those other two people are going to be affected by oh yeah the the, the death of the third one um and again the the statistics about like um it was like one in ten uh white women were widowed over the course of the civil war mm-hmm. and, and one out of four yeah I think, indian women yeah something like that and it was like, and it was only that the statistics were only that low because so many Native American women died. Yes, which yes, just, that's what that's what he added on to it. Yeah, oh. yeah, which is just like heartbreaking and terrible. But that's not the thing that makes me angry, or not the only, the main thing. Okay, the main thing is the fact that I had to be thirty years old before I knew this. Yes, um, yes, you know this like you growing up in schools, especially these days, you know that there were depredations and even atrocities mm-hmm. um you know committed by white people against native americans but it becomes your the way that you're that you're told about it in school and in a lot of the larger culture you're inoculated to it right because yeah. you you sort of acknowledge that that happened and then you can can move on with your life and sort of accept the history of white america was good with a few you know exceptions um but you never find out, you never are taught, as far as I am aware of anyone being taught these things, the full scope of, you know, what happened in the Indian Tory, Territory, just yeah. for example. Um, and and uh, some of these, these other literal atrocities, like, I, I was 28 years old before I found out, you know, why there are no buffalo on yeah. the plains, because uh, the, the United States Army... Um, wiped them out in order to wipe out the food source of the Sioux tribes that they were not otherwise able to defeat in battle. Yep. Um, and so these are the things that make me angry and also the things that I tend to rant to my wife about. And for some reason, <laughs> she was like, looking at me like, A, why are you telling me this? B, why is it again? And C, why are you reading this book again? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but... That goes back to the point that I started out to make here, um, <laughs> which is that, and I and I realized, you know, I, I uh, at some point on uh, the the twelfth rant or so that I did like this, I realized that the thing that I hadn't told her about was everything that kept me coming back to this book in well, sure. the face of that, um, and it wasn't. Unlike a movie like, say, Django Unchained or something, the 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 fact that there's any like sort of um, avatar character for me as a white person mm. to crawl into and be like, well, see, there there were ones like that. Uh, uh-huh. You know, there's there's no one there's no one like that really. Like, no. there's no universal condemnation of white people, but there's Lafferty makes no effort to like make it so that if you're a, a white person reading it like you have any any like reassurance no but that's that's not that's not what kept me coming back I, I mean i'm saying something that isn't there isn't what i go to this book for but um what keeps me coming back to this book is the humor and the uh, yes the uh 
resilience um, sort of in the face of all of these things. Um, mm-hmm. there, there's a specific passage related to that that I wanted to make sure to read yes. before forgetting about it. It's on page 133 in chapter 13. Up at the bottom. Up at the bottom. Um, down at the bottom. The, the narrator speaking here. We will not pursue further the parallel of the two organizations. And this is talking about <laughs> United Nations and United Nations. Yes. I, I was uh, hoping that we would get that this actual passage okay. in there at some point. Now, to just to, to set the context, I know the gentle listener has read this book, so maybe it's not necessary, but um, this is talking about the United Nations that I believe Hanali helped yep. um, put together, who were the... It's, it's right here. Oh, there you go. Uh, the members were the Creek, Seminole, Caddo, Chickasaw, Choctaw, and Cherokee Indians. Um, so literally a, a, a United Nations of Indian tribes. Exactly. Yep. Um, and like he says explicitly that they were called the United Nations and the one that came later was, they had the same name, but there were similarities, but differences. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, go on. Um, so in this, uh, he, he says, we're not going to pursue further the parallel of the two organizations, but we do not lay off for fear of giving offense, only to get on with our main account. So, okay, first of all, not he's not not paralleling them so that he's not going to cause offense. That's never been a concern <laughs> yes. in this entire book. But And then the very next line at the top of page 134, in quotation marks, it is fun to give offense, Hanali <laughs> Anomany said boldly at the First Assembly of the Original Nation, United Nations. It is fun to throw the truth rock and hear which hit dogs howl. What are we sheep that we should allow ourselves to be led by false shepherds? There are men here today who would lead us like sheep. And just, okay, the, the, the narrator and Hanali are so in sync on this. Yeah, yeah. Is fantastic um so but that that idea of the the offense it's fun to give offense we're just throwing a truth rock and it's they're dogs that it's gonna hit and it's gonna make them howl <laughs> yes. um when we throw this truth rock right. i mean and and i don't get the impression that he's ever really attempting to do anything but that even when he is touching on the more fantastical sides of things, where, where it is more of a fantasy or a fantasia on uh, these historical subjects, he is literally just lobbing truth rocks yeah. to see yeah. where they hit. <laughs> um, and, yeah. Yeah. Um, it, weirdly, this, this makes me think of uh, uh, one of the... Um, Things I thought about saying in our our uh, apology for for being white section of this episode. Oh yeah. Um, which is just that you know, of course, the the terminology here, the very names that you use, are very loaded, right? Um, sure. You know, because there's there's this debate, and you know, a lot of people who um, can't distinguish between the words political correctness and kindness will tend to roll their eyes at a debate like this. But um, there's, there's a debate between uh, what you over, over what you should call uh, the, you know, the people native to um, yes. the continent that we now call America to try to dehistorically contextualize that as much as possible mm-hmm. um, and still fail. Um, 
and and valiant effort. You know, because because of course, like for literal hundreds of years, we have just called them Indians, right? Yes. Um, which of course is like a historical anomaly. Yeah. Um, going back to the first white people having extremely bad maps when they came over here, right? And right. Also, n- not like like a um the the nation of people they would later would that would descend from them not really asking the natives what they thought and when they mm-hmm. bothered to not listening very well yes um you know so like we have that term indians because these are the people from ceylon or whatever right um so that's oh. you know and that's like just so dumb um but i mean you know you you have the term native americans Mm-hmm. Um, which is, like, probably the, like, blandest term. Uh-huh. And even that one, you know, you have that America in it. Um, not, not what the actual Native Americans would have called the place. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you, you have, uh, um, you know, some, some people like to say, I mean, indigenous is, is yeah. becoming, um, increasingly popular which might be just etymologically the most accurate one sure um but like this this book uses the word indian a lot it does um which part of that is just the context of when it was published and yeah the historical context um, um and and the fact that you know Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The the year it was published, Indian was probably a much less fraught term than it is now. Yeah. Um, but also, uh, uh, the you know the 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 nineteenth century historical context. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people would have used that word without batting an eyelash, probably including people like Hanali. You know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, natives who had learned English. They just they just would have picked up that word Indian without necessarily knowing any of the, uh, yes. uh, baggage of it. Um, yeah. And you know, the, um, in Canada, I think the official usage is like first nations. Okay. Um, which again is probably, it, it sort of gets rid of some of that, that linguistic baggage. Um, mm-hmm. but, but there's still, I mean, there's still an implication of nationhood, going on right um which is not always necessarily appropriate or accurate um and you know my personal feeling has often been that as much as possible to sort of give um give the actual specific tribe of any given individual right Mm -hmm. so in the same way that you would not that if you knew someone was german you would not say oh a european man blah 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 you know, you it's probably more accurate to say, oh, he's a Choctaw man than to just say he's a, a native or whatever right. the case may be. Um, but even at that level, we have a lot of problems. <laughs> there is a tribe where um, that uh, in at least some parts of history has has uh, been where you sort of a, in a band where you and I both live. Um, we usually call them the Ojibwe mm-hmm. in Canada. They're called the Chippewa. Um, yep. in their own language, they're called the Anishinaabe, which I don't know. That's, 
Okay. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, I was going to say, I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound a lot like Chippewa or Ojibwe. No. Um, and, you know, there's the same problem with, with other tribes, yeah. um, including a tribe known as the Nez Pierce, which is just French for pierced noses. Yo, that's... Um, you know, so super unhelpful, <laughs> right? And you know that may th- there may be other tribes that that the name we know them by is much closer to their own yeah. actual sort of self and naming. Lafferty um, touches on some of those things in this novel as well, where there are yeah. different names for various tribes and things, and he lists the the varieties of them, and and it's always done with a humorous bent. Yeah, um, that like. You, you get the impression that the tribe that is being discussed, the, the people of that tribe, think that these different names are funny. Yes. Uh, and just laugh at them. Um, well, and it's, it's discussed, too, that their sense of humor is, is different from the white man's sense of humor. Yes. Which you get from the prologue, too, where he, he talks about his personal Indian connection. When he was four, uh, he moved to Oklahoma from Iowa... Uh, he went outside, ran into the street. There was a little boy. He said hello to that little boy, and then he knocked him down. And he ran into the house crying. He told his mother there was a mean little boy who knocked him down. She said, don't play with mean little boys. Just play with nice little boys. Then there was a knock at the door a minute later, um, and uh, the the mother said, there's a nice little boy out there. Go out and play with him. He ran out, and there was the same boy knocked him down again. And <laughs> <laughs> it was just that's, that's that sense of humor Yes. Plays through the Indian tribes, the Native American tribes. However, we're, we're using the terms, and, you know, when I use Indian, I'm more or less quoting from the book here. Yes. Um, or using the context of the book. But, like, that that's, that's their sense of humor. It, it's almost a counting coups style of thing where it's... It's more of a game than than war. Yes. <laughs> and it, it's... I don't know. It's just a fascinating take on things. And that goes all the way back to, to the beginning of the novel itself. Beyond Just beyond the, the, the preface. In the prologue, um, in the second paragraph, he says, We are boys only and have all the awkwardness of boys. Yes. And that continues throughout i tried to keep track of all the different places where um being like boys being like children was attributed to the 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 native americans or where they attributed it to others that they were just being boys just being children yes and them being children caused them to kill each other yes um which in that paragraph too, in the very beginning, that they are boys comes in the context of this altered form of um, Cain and Abel, right? Um, if so, I mean, it, it, you should have seen that specific development coming, even aside from the history of it, right? From the beginning, I didn't, <laughs> right? Um, but upon reflection, yeah, yeah. And I, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Um, I was I I uh, uh, was just looking up to try to find because it's been eight years and I have all the memory of a boy. Um, <laughs> who who my my teacher in graduate school for contemporary Native American literature was. Oh. Um, it was a wonderful woman named uh, Gwen Westerman, 
and um, she, uh, we had this discussion the first day of one of the two classes in essentially contemporary Native American lit mm-hmm. um, about maybe even in both classes, um, but about this idea of what do you what do you call do you say Indians do you say Native Americans, mm-hmm. um, and you know the 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 various merits were discussed and. Um, you know, there's, there's a, uh, sort of, sort of maybe debated, but, um, less than coming to a conclusion, Dr. Westerman would always end up saying like, if this is the biggest debate that we have, yeah, we've, it, it would mean we've solved a lot of other problems. <laughs> um, oh, sure. And that's not a way of dismissing it or saying that, you know, uh, racism doesn't exist and that that's not reflected in naming, but it's, it's a way, what she ended up saying was like, as long as you are being respectful and like your intention is respectful, like that goes a long way. Yeah. She basically said, I sort of don't care what, what you say again, not as permission to like, just use derogatory names or anything well because then if you're doing that then you're not being respectful. exactly like, like like once once you take the discussion seriously hopefully you're at a place where you know you're you're being respectful enough that yeah um, and i i i obviously could, can't see into lafferty's heart he's been dead for quite a while so that would be a grisly sight anyway yikes um that's a joke he would appreciate <laughs> uh and I can I, I can be pretty sure of that much, but um, he, uh, I think, I think that's the wavelength that he's operating on. Mm-hmm. That um, you know, to try to, and I think this may be where you know the the Choctaws and and some of the other uh, Native American um, sort of, I don't know, you'd you'd almost be tempted to call it gallows humor. Oh, but sure. it's sort of maybe where it has its bedrock is in focusing on the things that are propo- proportionally worth focusing on at mm. a given moment. Um, which again, even comes out like in his, the scene of his death, um, mm. you know, which is yep. again, spoiler alert, he dies at the end. Yeah. Um, we've we've said the words biography often enough it shouldn't have been a spoiler also i think you said it already um but anyway he uh uh you know in the in that death scene just the the interplay between him and his his daughter with the the uh uh cornflower blonde hair and deep blue eyes yes he says is more indian than than any of his other descendants yes um and the daughter's extremely Victorian, like Vic, white Victorian era American husband. Yes. Um, which I just love and adore. Uh, and and just you know the the there's a bunch of lines we could quote, and if we're not careful, we will. Yeah. But specifically, just uh, uh, when when Anahata's husband says death is not a joke papa hanali <laughs> um and yes uh you know hanali says uh, what what then should i die with dignity um Ew. hell is full of men who die with dignity sure, sure it's it, a joke yeah the last one of all Ew. um 
which is just so wonderful because again he's able to do that because he's he's not focused on sort of stupid abstractions like dignity um in death he knows that you know death comes for us all and that it is the final joke so why not right. laugh at it exactly the, mm-hmm. it, he's he's a realist in but uh, a realist in a sense that doesn't make him a nihilist yes and it it, it instead makes him more humorous yeah you know in, in the sense of what he is able to see the humor in um which is as hanali is is a is kind of a picture of his whole tribe and then of all native americans you get the impression that that's common amongst many if not all of the various tribes um and it's it's there there are delineations that are made more explicit that this tribe finds this funny and the other one doesn't as much right but like that sort of thing that they are all children and but what's different between the 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 tribes and the white people is that the tribes know their children and the white people don't the white people would like to pretend that they're not yes that's the only difference that's right that's ultimately the only only difference in this and that's um why this whole book is so playful um from from the perspective of of the native americans and the the well, war that they go through too the, the well the various wars you know being caught up in the civil war and then the the multifaceted civil wars that are a result and cause and surrounding all of that it, they, they they face all of these things but they they somehow maintain a little bit of that same humor until Hanali dies and then you get the impression that that humor is also gone yeah uh, that they, they, he took it with him he took that that laughter that that boyishness well you get that impression but you get the impression that it will also live on in anahata a little bit yes um you know and and i think i don't i think lafferty would be too humble to ever claim this for himself but i think in in lafferty's sort of best possible world that's uh something that that he's He's managed to to capture an yes. echo of that laughter. He has in, contributed to in that. his in his book, um, right? You know, I think I think he's like, as I've heard that some of the the biblical writers were, where he doesn't want to name himself or what he's mm-hmm. accomplished directly, so he's doing it by indirection. The idea that yeah. that this is a, um, a you know, th- this is impossible. This has gone away, but you're reading about it. Right, right, yes, um, which which does make it more alive, and 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 I'll say too that this kind of helps to illuminate a period of history that I knew very little about. Yeah, uh, you know, it being labeled a novel and very clearly being a tall tale, especially in parts. Um, I'm going to take everything he says with a grain of salt, but it does necess- nevertheless shed some light on this period. Yeah, and I will say. I certainly haven't like thoroughly fact checked this. No, in like a it, you know, newspaper Which... reporter or an academic style. But periodically, especially the second read through, I did just find myself like I have to look this one up. Sure, this can't be real. And I gotta say, more stuff that I thought wasn't real than not turned out to be real. I'm I'm not surprised by that. Uh, I I would I would be surprised to learn. It much of this being 
invented. Right. Um, I, I, I imagine a lot of what he wrote is, is historically accounted for. Um, again, because even the, the, the wild aspects of it are essentially just jokes. Yes. Essentially just being funny. But that's, yeah, I don't know. We, I don't know. I feel like that's as good a we, place as we're gonna because we could keep talking right hour. now. So we're we're gonna stop this run on sentence, and uh, we'll pick it up again in in two weeks, and we'll keep talking about this. So in two oh, weeks, oh, because like the Choctaws with their run on sentences. Oh, is that what I was saying? I, um, I, yes, we're gonna say yes. <laughs> okay, no, it was. So yes, gentle listener. In two weeks, we will continue discussing Oklahanali by R. A. Lafferty. So read along, give us your feedback in the contact section of tapestryradio.org or at Room with Scotch on Twitter or in the Tapestry Radio Tap House on Facebook. Uh, If you request to join, we will let you in. uh, Unless, what? Unless you're White Man Falea. Unless you're White Man Falea. Freaking White Man Falea. Yes. Well, Falea. Oh! Whoa! Man, I'm a little surprised Anali didn't uh, come up with that one. Oh, yeah. Um, so yes, we'll also do your homework, uh, submit your homework in, uh, tapsradio.org slash scotchcast, scroll down a little bit and you'll find the homework submission form, just fill that out, send it in, we will do our best, we'll do our best to make it fun, and you can submit it to your teacher and we will laugh at your plagiarism jail time. Yeah. Because it's funny. Um. And then you'll get out, do it again, and they'll send you to plagiarism prison. Right. Exactly. So... Or you'll break your plagiarism parole and get sent back for more time. Okay. We're going to cut that. <laughs> if you like this podcast, check out the other podcasts on the Tapestry Radio Network. Intermission, the backstage drum of podcast. Uh, Pokemon Rollout, the Pokemon Tabletop United actual play RPG podcast. Uh, rate and review us and all the podcasts you love on Apple Podcasts and wherever else you get your podcasts. Um, and tell a friend, uh, find, find someone, whoever's sitting next to you right now, or the next person you sit next to, tell them about this podcast. Better um, yet, just, uh, cue this podcast up, just pop out your earbuds and just put them right in their ears, and just yes. hit play, and just back away slowly, mouthing, you can thank me later. Yes! That's our new guerrilla marketing There you tactic. go. Alright, we will, we will take over the world. You've got it. Well, that escalated quickly. Yikes. Um, Ethan, where can they find you? I am on Twitter, at Bjartlett. That's B-J-A-R-T-L-E-T-T. Come yell at me about all the things I said wrong and bad (laughs) about Native Americans, or anything else I said wrong and bad. Sure, sure. Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram, at M-G-L-I-L-I-E-N-T-H-A-L. Follow me there, and look at my ties. With that, until next time, gentle listener, just remember, it's our party, and we'll cry if the white man makes us. Wow. Okay. Yep. Are you sticking with that one? No, I'm not going to stick with that one. That was, that was, that was bad. So. Do you want to try again? No. I, 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 I think I've given up on it. Just, you know, take that as, as you will, and, uh, bye now. Obscurantism and Obfuscation, 
orally observed, gentle listener. Gentle listener. Gentle listener. Gentle listener. listener. Obviated objects of oblivion. Obambulating about. Offered unto you. Offered unto you. Offered unto you. In the Tapestry Radio Network. Tapestryradio.org. From From our our fancy fancy to to yours. yours.